Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. So today we have Zakira coming to us all the way from the south of the U.S. And she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey um, and her issues with fertility and how that all transpired. So Zakira, just give us a little bit of information about you, dear, and um, what it is that you do in your career life. Yes. So my name is Zakira, you did say it right. (laughs) And I am a brand cultivating strategist. And what that means is that I help small businesses to, uh, if not launch, then focus their brand on social media because social media is the new age advertising. And that's what I do. Um, A camera or a photograph saved my life. So um, ironically, full circle, I'm also a photographer. Mm -hmm. So I love being able to tell visual stories. So I'm all things creative. However, I'm also a cancer survivor. So I recently uh, released a memoir about life with childhood eye cancer called retinoblastoma. And the book is called Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. And of course, also in that book, I touched briefly, there's a small chapter on how that cancer leads to secondary cancers, which leads to the autoimmune disease that I have, which is PCOS, excuse me, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So that's what I have. And I've been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome since I was 13 years old. That was the first official diagnosis. Um, I received my period or my menstrual cycle at the age of 11. So I was pretty young when it first came. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, my cycles have never been regular. And then the, I got a second diagnosis when I was 15 years old. Because even though when I was 13, I would put on birth control to regulate mm-hmm. my period and it helped. But of course, as I got married later on down the road at the age of 21, then it started really becoming a bigger factor, I would say, once I realized, of course, I already knew that PCOS meant, for example, the reason for my deep voice or the reason for a lot of hair in my body, and then, of course, infertility. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so once I got married, I knew that I, that was one of the first things they say. That's the first thing they always say and then kind of scare us or try to scare us in that way of, so, you know, you won't get to have kids, right? So... I'm 16 years old. I was not sexually active. I'm like, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, as the years went by and as I was even courting my husband, I'm like, uh, so, you know, I have something called PCOS and that means that I won't be able to have kids easily. I finally had to adapt to understanding the mentality and connecting. This was when the world of Facebook was really popular. So connecting with other sisters, C-Y-S-T-E-R, as we call them, <laughs> um, and learning that they have kids, you know, they've had kids. It wasn't easy, but they have kids. So, you know, to kind of making that a conversation in, you know, our marriage. So, of course, it's been a struggle. No kids as of yet, but at least the journey has allowed me to fully learn about my body. And I also fully learned that it's very important to heal, not just the area down there, but it really all starts in the head. Mental, once it's mental, everything will work its way down and everything will be connected and everything will be fully healed. And then that's how I believe we're able to really um, become moms or become moms again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, what a, um, what a journey you've been on. You said how old were you when you got the diagnosis of cancer? 
cancer, I was six months old um, okay. when I was first diagnosed with cancer. And then nine months old is when I had the surgery. So retinoblastoma means cancer of the eye. So that means I had a surgery to remove my right eye. So right now, you know, in my photos and whenever you see me on social media, I have mm-hmm. a prosthetic eye. Gotcha. 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 Well, you look very beautiful in your picture. So I would never have known um, if <laughs> unless you had told me. I can't tell it <laughs> all. <are> you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so tell me a little bit about your journey as a photographer. I, I can only imagine the, the incredible photos that you capture. Well, I think the funny, ironic thing is when I went to Ghana, West Africa in 2011, and I came back, you know, with those photos, this was when I first started blogging. So that allowed people to, you know, just really see what kind of trip I went on. I was with an organization called Operation Crossroads Africa, and it's basically the Peace Corps before the Peace Corps. Okay. So, um, the, it was a small two-summer, uh, two-month summer program where we got to volunteer as a teacher. And so while I, when I came back... I posted the photos, and I would never forget this one comment from an educator that I've known a, a majority of my life. And she was like, you know what? I feel like I was with you. You took such great photos that I literally felt like I was with you. And that kind of became an aha moment for my style of photography to wow. capture the essence of humanity to make you feel like you were there. Or to, if it's a portrait session, whether maternity, whatever it is, I make you feel you know, see see the good side in yourself. And so that is just kind of a matter of, of course, kind of summing up to everything that I've been through in my own life. It's also a matter of just how precious photography is of freezing that moment, of yeah. taking those wedding photos, of, of take, take, taking photos for the first time in a while. You know, there's a volunteer event that I love to volunteer with this annual and it's called Help Portrait. And it's mainly for the the less fortunate those who have never ever had a professional photo shoot and this is a level beyond jc penny photos so for you giving a professional photo shoot for the first time those are always fulfilling because um i'm you know naturally a helper so i love to be able to help people and and help them to you know feel good about themselves wow and i can imagine did you feel like it was also healing for you for you as well absolutely your own life yeah yeah I i can i can imagine that it was and what ways did you come to self-discovery while doing all of this traveling that you did? Because you've been to quite a few places and a lot of places that most people don't get to go. Absolutely. Um, I would best to go to 10 countries so far in my life. Um, the very first international trip uh, was definitely self-discovery because it was with a group um, called Global Explorers and they were either for those who were deaf and hard of hearing or sign language and, and enthusiasts, those who wanted to be a part of and learn about the deaf culture. And so before that trip, I mean, I struggled in school. I'm, I'm always either the only one or one of few who were hearing aids or had a hearing uh, impairment. So to be around people where I know that I could, I didn't have to worry about making sure my hearing is at tip top volume, I can hear whispers and stuff because we were signing <laughs> or we were writing on pieces of paper. So that was great of a matter of self-discovery of learning also how to advocate for myself. Um, and then the second trip was the complete opposite. I was with a big group. We were all ambassadors and it was t- two weeks of going through three different countries. And I literally felt like almost the Rihanna 777 to a Wujik in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't feel 
I fulfilled, but I, I, at least I learned because even, you know, then I had to learn of how to, uh, you know, one, maintain my diet and two, just make sure to advocate for myself. Um, because of course there are people who don't know that I did have cancer and then that this cancer affected my eye and my vision and that, you know, uh, because I was also of a certain practicing belief, I'm a practicing Muslim, so that meant I can't eat the pork like you all do. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, that was always a challenge too. And then of course that led to Ghana. Ghana West Africa was after that. And so by then, of course, that was challenging. I was 18 and that's the legal age over there. So I was like, I thought yeah. it was phone. And so we were a group of um, 10, 10 of us were in a group, but there were 14 of us all together in the homestay where we stayed. We stayed with the family of four or five because the lady was pregnant. And uh, we all stayed in, it was like a three bedroom house. So the boys had one room, the girls had another room and the homestay family had one. So of course that was challenging. I grew up, mm-hmm. I, I grew up an only child only because my siblings are from my parents' previous marriages and they're like half my age. So technically I grew up an only child, grew up always wanting siblings. And so that was um, interesting too. Of course, that was my first taste of um, marriage proposals too. So yeah, it wasn't, it was interesting. With every trip, I've just learned more about myself. And then it wasn't really until I would say I was actually a young adult, really exploring myself. Once I moved to the Washington DC area, College Park, to mm-hmm. go to photography school um, out there. there it's, it's closed now, unfortunately, but there was a photography school, art school, rather, that was mm-hmm. a, a branch of um, Boston University in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. So I was in the D.C. area for two years, and that was literally me, like, having my own apartment. Well, first, the second time I had my own apartment, the first time it was student housing, and I had my own room, mm-hmm. you know, with a bunch of um, roommates. So it's been a journey of just exploring and then i didn't have, but by the time i was living in dc that's when i later had to make my own um gynecologist and OBGYN appointment you mm-hmm. know in order to get birth control myself because even then my page was still irregular then mm-hmm. i was able to manage my own diet too to know like okay what foods were causing the inflammation and which ones were bringing it down and um of course even at that point i became sexually active too so that was interesting <laughs> right, right, right. So when you were you were diagnosed with the PCOS when you were a teenager from what you said earlier, right? Right, 13 years old. With 13 the first years time. old. And mm-hmm. so when if you wouldn't mind um if it's okay, would when did it really hit you how um what's the word I'm looking for? When did it hit you at what age and what point in your life? did it really hit you about fertility and, you know, always needing a doctor to help you make possibly achieve pregnancy and conceive? Honestly, it didn't really fully hit me until I was maybe a year or two into my marriage and we were actively trying. And when I, and when we were actively trying and, um, I'm going to go there. It's going to be emotional, but I'm going to go there. No, it's okay, love. Take your time. Take your time. (laughs) We were actively trying, and then it got to the point of I got so in tune to my body that I knew when there was a baby in me, but then, uh, you know, miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. And, and it's hard to talk about also because it, was, it wasn't, well, there's this one photo. Of course, you know, photos tell moments in life. There's this one photo. We had just gotten married, and I looked pregnant. 
And even though my parents at that time, I remember too, they were like, uh, do you want to take a pregnancy test? Because I think you're pregnant. And even though the pregnancy test said nothing, uh, everyone around me who knew me were convinced that I was. And I was in denial because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I didn't have a pregnancy test. I just said no on the pregnancy test. And that happens too. I think that's one thing I had to learn of. The false positives. Right, yeah. false positives. So mm-hmm. um, that's when I first learned of miscarriages. So I had to experience that. So that taught me that, okay, it is possible to be pregnant, but my body is different when it comes to the level of PCOS because I can overlate, I can get pregnant. It's just that my level of my, t- my high testosterone level, my low progesterone levels, um, I don't allow me to keep babies. <laughs> so that's when it fully, really kicked in as far as okay. the fertility side. However, I kind of sort of knew um, just how, I guess, powerful the PCOS was, was, of course, you know, I've always been bullied, I would say, for, like, my deep voice. But then at, once I started, you know, hearing my Carrie speak and Issa Rae, obviously, I'm like, you know, there's nothing wrong with my deep voice. <coughs> right. Um, and, then, and then, of course, I was always also just bullied for always having, like, a lot of hair. So I do have, I don't even know if I ever say it right, but hair, Hair tourism of, you know, too much hair. Um, Like, so I have, like, you know, I've had always had, like, a little bit of a mustache. (laughs) Okay, okay. um, Of course, uh, the hair on my arm would kind of always go back faster. And Mm -hmm. crazy story, when I was, uh, I think I was five, I... I was exploring razor for the first time. My dad always had razor done, and I explored razor for the first time. And the only hair I had on my body at that time were my eyebrows. So <laughs> I shaved them off because I was like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know, you know, what it feel like to shave off hair. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, they grew back, they grew back beautifully. But of course, for a while, you know, I almost thought they were just almost too bushy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, the level of hair, the fact that I had more hair than others. And of course, I always were able to compare because I had sleepovers with plenty of other girls who didn't have as much hair as me. And then, of course, I was always bustier than other girls um, or got puberty, you know, earlier. So those were always the signs going up because I would be asked either by other girls or just bullied by boys who, you know, didn't want to admit it, but they were crushing on these things that they were bullying me about. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, but it wasn't until... I was experiencing those things once I got married that I'm like, okay, this is kind of serious and that my diet and my stress levels play a huge role into fertility. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of women who go through fertility treatments, whether it's just through medication or whether it's IVF like myself, they don't, you know, you know about these things, but you don't know how deep it is. So I, that really resonates with me that you don't know how deep something is until you actually are looking to uh attain pregnancy and you know all those things like that like you know i you know we spend so much time being on birth control to prevent pregnancy and then when we come off of it we don't realize that sometimes it's going to be difficult you know even um for people who don't have any medical diagnoses of uh, infertility it can still be difficult for them initially too because it you know the hormones have to regulate themselves and stuff so you absolutely said, you said that you had mis you experienced miscarriage and ectopic pregnancies yep so um now the, the part of course um i even you know i even judge myself about it now now that i think back on it um maybe it's just literally that rough that rough time for both of us in the marriage but like 
I knew that it happened because I know my body and also because I had vented, I would say, to someone who did experience it, but I never once went to the doctor. (laughs) So it was like, I don't know, I don't know if it was the superwoman syndrome or what, but it was just like, I just let it, you know, have a cycle of of bleeding out because that's basically what it is of, you know, bleeding itself out. and yeah, I didn't, it took a few months for me to go to a doctor because, um, I mean, I was just losing a, a lot of blood before a while. I was just like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, it's whatever. Um, but of course, you know, that probably affected later on because when we, we were able to try again because I was able to go to the doctor and get, um, you know, the medicine and then birth control, well, birth control first to clear out everything because I did eventually admit to the doctor, like, oh, I had a miscarriage and mm-hmm. bleeding for a while. And she's like, okay, let's use this medicine to clear, clear out everything. And then use this medicine to overlate and then this medicine, you know, for this. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad with medicine. So like, I knew that I hadn't etopped it because I can, you know, I, I can tell now when I am pregnant. But the, um, symptoms for when your period is coming and when you're mm-hmm. pregnant are very similar but mm-hmm. it was obvious to me my period did not come so it was obvious um that it was pregnancy even though the pregnancy test was not showing it it was obvious i could tell within me um but then of course i just started because i knew i sucked so much when it comes to medicine uh the next year we kind of both agreed to just go the holistic route of just trying to um at least first manage the diet, you know, let me see how much I can change my diet. And that helped, you know, I would, you know, drink spearmint tea, eat more of the colorful foods, the stuff that I can just, you know, heat up on a stove and cut and chop, not too much frozen or canned food, which is most of the stuff that's processed. And then uh, disciplining myself when it came to eating out of if I wanted to be more plant-based, if I wanted to be more vegan or vegetarian or pesticidarian, I have to say, um, I can't have X, Y, Z on my plate. Um, so that it, sometimes that required something as simple as asking for the Chick-fil-A salad without the chicken, <laughs> you know? Um, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that kind of the where we ended up of just uh, managing the diet. And then the hardest part, of course, is managing the stress level because we do live in a country with instant gratification and then we do live in a country where it's so easy to get caught up emotionally when your friends or associates or acquaintances announce their pregnancies or start to show their pregnancies at work or of course you know your favorite celebrity becoming pregnant um if not the first second or third time you know you're kind of managing your emotions that way of, of yeah. not comparison not having the fear of missing out because that took a while too of like I thought you know we were supposed to have three kids by now and it's not there yet and and we're both getting older so now what but you know it just took a while to fully accept that what's for you is for you my favorite song in 2000 um I guess 18 because that when it really came out was um you know meant to be it's kind of a country pop song but meant to be about Florida Georgia line oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, I had that on repeat, and I just started implementing it in my own life, especially when it came to fertility and becoming a mother. So I think I really just had to heal also, because once I finally finished my memoir, and then I realized a lot of things, especially when it came to the fertility, fertility journey and the marriage journey as well. So just a matter of just healing. Yeah, that's a, um, that's, that's a point that, you know, um, 
a lot of women and men who are suffering and whether they're married or whether they're single trying to have kids and stuff it um dealing with and sitting sitting with your pain and your losses and all the overwhelming feelings that come along with that and the grief because let's not forget you know although it was miscarriage and it's a topic you know you're a mother who lost babies who were very you know they weren't uh considered um full term yet of course but you know you as when i see when i hear stories of miscarriage from women who don't have kids i always still look at them as a mother because you knew most of the time you know that you're pregnant at that point and you still grieve the same way whether it was a baby that was out of the womb or was it whether it was like a stillbirth type of situation so um healing is is it takes so much time and it takes so much energy and it takes a lot of self-discovery and i'm pretty sure that you probably got a lot of your healing from from writing your memoir absolutely and i also appreciate you saying that um because I've thought about that. I'm glad that more, at least around the holiday season, there were more Facebook posts, for example, that kind of said to be careful of or look out for, you know, those families who are struggling. When you announce your, you know, pregnancy, be careful of those. Don't speak in a tone of, of I'm pregnant, you're not, because you don't know anybody else's story. And I do appreciate that, because there's also a friend of mine. Um, now, I don't even know. I think either we were really that close or mm-hmm. just knew, but there was a Mother's Day. And I think they would probably around that time um, that I had the, well, or, or I would in denial of being pregnant. <laughs> um, and she said, happy, she sent me a happy Mother's Day with me, and she said, happy Mother's Day. And I, but of course, my immediate reaction was like, I'm not a mom yet. And she's like, yes, you are. So, um, but I'm glad you said that because, yeah, even though I was not able to name my baby or or feel my baby kick or anything like that, yeah, I'm definitely a mother, still meant to be a mother, and that's definitely something I had to put, at least on my vision board, you know, but it's not, it's not that it didn't happen, it it will happen, and, you know, I'm going to be a great mom because of all these experiences absolutely and and i think that um that it will well i know from my own experience going through fertility issues and having ivf and such it has made me more appreciative and i take more time for mindfulness and just being in the moment you know as a mom and just you know watching my son now um play and do just small even the smallest of things you know it makes you more appreciative and it probably um you've had some lessons like that before you know, with your um, difficulties with your health over the years, but it's something different about when that maternal instinct really kicks in and um, you just, you just see things in a completely new way and you see life in a different way and you view your body and your, and your, and yourself in, in a different way as well. And I think that more people, especially now with social media, like you were saying, because everything is so in our faces and a lot of people complain about having to be sensitive and stuff with posts and messages that they post online, but you really have to, because we are, we are, we are posting and making messages and putting out information and anybody can see it, whether there's somebody we know or somebody that's a stranger. So it's just so many triggers on social media. And sometimes I think you have to take a break. Did you ever take a break while you were going through everything? Absolutely. Now, ironically, not when I was going through everything, but once I was at a point 
to be able to process everything. So there's a point in, um, I guess, my life, our marriage, and even in the book, um, I briefly talked about it as a chapter in the book, where my husband and I were considering separation. <laughs> it was so rough, not just the, the um, family building or lack thereof, or just the stress of also him trying to figure out where he wants to do, where he wants to be, and me too. You know, I've been very in tune to my papers and I knew what my papers was, but I wasn't following it per se. Of course, you know, when you follow your path, you never steer too far off, but I felt like mm-hmm. at that point I was following it. So there was a point where I wanted to, I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I'm a water girl at heart by nature, and I wanted to move back home. So I did that for six months. Um, and originally, I thought we would just, you know, if I move there and I do well, then, you know, he'll come down and we'll be able to start over. You know, I'll, I'll be closer to doctors, the doctors that know my health, and then we can try again. We're starting a family. Um, right. But that, you know, God had other plans. So, and it, we ended up, we're basically just time apart for six months, and then we came back together. And when we did come back together, I took a social media hiatus. Um, I also took it because not only was I just trying to stay away from those who were announcing pregnancy, but who were like traveling because I knew I couldn't at that moment because you know, I had to save up money. Um, and then, of course, you know, saving money to kind of get ready for just starting fresh by because I love food too. So just mm-hmm, making sure mm-hmm. I, I just, I, well, I couldn't just unfollow like a million Brazilian accounts. So I just, you know, took a hiatus, but maybe one of them. Um, I didn't have to, well, because I am, you know, I guess a small or little micro-influencer. Maybe I just announced the hiatus on Instagram, but I was still active on like Facebook messengers. I was still in touch with friends and family. Gotcha. But I did, you know, take a break and that was great. You know, I was able to, I realized how much time I did spend you know, when I'm not doing anything, when I could be working on myself of, you know, writing down what visions and goals I want to achieve and, and how to really, you know, change my mindset, shift my mindset to more positivity. Um, and that definitely helped. I think I did that for maybe about a month. People do it, you know, for six months. I've seen people disappear for a whole year. I've seen acquaintances, photography and creative um entrepreneurs just disappear for a whole year and then I see them come back I'm like oh see I didn't even know you were gone but I'm glad you were gone because that was good for you um but yeah if if you need to take a break from social media um if even as podcasters if you need to take a break from creating do that you know even there was a point right in 2015 14 where I literally could not pick up a camera for a whole year because that's how um stressed I guess I was I was going through a funk it was definitely a depressive funk um for a whole year and so it took uh a while well that's when I actually learned about seasonal affective disorder that if the winter comes so do the winter blues <laughs> you know that it can yeah affect- I have a friend who who deals with that sometimes and um it's very difficult a lot of people don't realize how hard it really is with the seasonal um depressing depression and such that's amazing that you and your your husband were better were able to come back uh, better stronger and wiser for your marriage and you guys chose each other again i think that's very inspiring when you have so many difficulties going on surrounding fertility and just you know life in general and, you know, sometimes, you know, you need a break too from your spouse, you know, however you guys got to find a way to be that. Did you guys seek counseling at all? Um, yes and no. I think the, the closest we get to counseling is our elders, <laughs> you know, our parents. Um, 
I, you know, would love counseling. I think I tried, I attempted therapy. Um, I attempted therapy. And so the hard part about therapy is for me, it's like, because they see that I, I'm so in tune to myself that there's the, the first therapist was like, you seem to have a good head on your shoulders. So I'm like, okay, but I still need you. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. it's a matter of just finding the right therapist. But I would say I'm grateful to have had those friends who are, you know, social workers and, you know, psychologists, or even if they're just in school in the making, but they're the ones who I can turn to, um, you know, and, and then at least it's, it's unofficial, but, you know, they they know how to ask the right questions and, and not be judgmental. And they have been my, you know, un, unofficial therapist. But of course, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of just going, going to do it yourself. If your spouse is not willing to do it, just go do it yourself. And sometimes, they will follow. They will explore the, their, you know, self on their own and then come back around and, and admit their faults and things of that sort. So. Yeah, that's amazing that you guys were able to do that and, and come back together. I think it's important that, um, you know, you find a way to, 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 because, you know, when you deal with miscarriages and fertility issues and infertility, you have to almost like, if you're not growing together it makes it uh and you're not dealing with the issues together it makes it very difficult to find common ground which we know in marriage is like the number one thing is compromise sometimes and finding common common um ways and communication and really? communication yeah and that's a big thing and then you know i've heard from a lot of women and i know for myself yeah. dealing with infertility very difficult to communicate how you feel without like kind of like dismissing how your spouse feels I, have you ever felt like that I felt like that before dealing with infertility it's like how am I supposed to explain how I feel and then at the same time support him absolutely yeah um I've definitely felt that way and um it's, it's hard especially if if it's not a man who I would say fully understand the anatomy of a woman's body like they understand pregnancy but they don't understand infertility like they've seen women right. pregnant give birth but they've never seen women like struggle or miscarry or things of that sort so of course you know that gets difficult as well when you when there's um a man who's been raised a certain way and has seen a certain thing so of course it gets difficult to to find articulate the right word to explain why this is painful and why this is happening and why this has always been this way you know um uh, i remember at one point um, you know, thank goodness for my parents for also just kind of helping us um, because I remember one point it wasn't, it wasn't, so I don't see, maybe it's just the cyst um, acting up, but um, I was in so much pain and I was bleeding to the point where he really didn't know what to do. So what he did is my parents live about two and a half hours of a road trip away. Okay. So, like we're gonna go to your parents, <laughs> and so that was that was the right choice in that time because my mom knew just the right herbs and teas, you know, to help reduce the pain and stop the bleeding. Um, but had of course that was one of the instances of he'd never experienced that before, and he didn't know what to do. So the first thing he did is turn to my family. And so of course there's gonna be moments like that of not knowing how. Like I I was too, in too much pain to even articulate. I wouldn't even know it. I didn't until I called my doctor because it was the weekend. Right, Monday, so um, I couldn't even articulate or even get an idea of what it could have been. So yeah, there are moments like that. Definitely, that's yeah, that's that's great that um, 
he that you guys well first of all it's great that he has a relationship with your parents where you know you guys can do things like that like you can just at the drop of a dime just go ahead and go and and get what you need and get to a place where um you know you can get the, the help that you need in that moment so that's amazing and i was going to ask you about your book because i think a lot of people will resonate with your book there are some women on the community in instagram who have cancer who have had cancer and they're in remission and they um, have suffered, you know, infertility because of the cancer. So tell us a little bit about your book and what that's about. Absolutely. So, yes, my book is dedicated literally also to all cancer survivors, not just those who are the parents of children with childhood cancers or even those who are of my age and have survived, you know, to be adult uh, childhood cancer survivors. It's literally dedicated to all cancer survivors because we literally, my mom and I also write in the story because she shares from her perspective from the parental side because she, I, I don't remember maybe PTSD, but I do not remember the surgery, which was, you know, I was nine months old. My first official memories were age three. So I'm able to tell those stories going on up. So, of course, as I'm able to tell the stories, um, you know, as I become a teenager of going through those uh, life cycles. And then, of course, once I become an adult of, you know, experiencing inter- entrepreneurship and then working in retail and things of that sort, my mom shared the perspective of just shooting, you know, the best education for me and how to just follow intuition and follow her faith and st- stay faithful um, through the emotional turmoil times. Uh, to just kind of make sure that I'm on the right track and that I'm, you know, going to be okay. Right. The word disability or the word cancer hinder me or slow me down. So there's details as to what the decisions that were made, you know, when it came to helping me to experience 10 or so countries and to experience education. Um, I went to charter schools, Montessori schools, faith-based schools, um, technical schools, and then, of course, it's what inspired the entrepreneurship journey. So it's it's called Seeing Life Through a Different Lens, uh, Survivor's Memoir on Overcoming Adversity with Resilience. So that's literally what it's mainly about. There's so much adversity that we have faced that we talked about, and there's how we overcame it. I guess what some people have also said from the pre-review that I've received already of how we've thrived with grace. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Uh, so that's definitely what the book is mainly about. So there's going to be some education about my specific cancer, retinoblastoma, but it's very relatable for anyone who's related to anyone with cancer or who had cancer themselves. That's great. I'm going to have to get a copy of it from your um, from your website and read it. I, I, I can I know it's a ta- a page turner and um, and it's filled with so much inspirational and encouragement undertones and everything. Um, so I thank you, Zakir, to, for coming on today and, and, and telling us your story and being very honest and open, even though I know you still go through some, you know, pain surrounding your miscarriages and your ectopic pregnancies and, you know, what the future holds for you and your husband. So I appreciate you being willing and being brave enough to, you know, be um, to be open with me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and help awesome. others and, and help others cope, you know? Yeah. And thank you for having this podcast and then having the, the vibe and the energy to allow, you know, not just me, but you know, all every other woman to be able to be open and vulnerable about it. Cause I, I honestly, I think this is my first time talking about it. So I, I needed that. <laughs> well, I'm so, so, I'm so glad to hear that. And I, and I'm, and that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and I'm getting chills just thinking about it. 
because I think it's important for, you know, people. And that's the, that's the one thing that I love about Instagram and, and Facebook is that you can connect with other people who may be able to help you in your journey in some way, even if it's just, you know, a simple hello and it connects people that you wouldn't normally meet, you know? So um, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I really, really do. And I pray that your continued healing and peace and you guys is um, be blessed in your businesses and in your marriage life too. I, I appreciate you so much. And I'll have everything for everybody to connect with you, your social media handles, as well as your um, website with your book and everything. I'll leave that in the show notes permanently so that people can connect with you and reach you and um, read your book as well. And I, oh, perfect. And I think if I may, I want to add, because it's mm-hmm. kind of recent, I kind of was working on it this past week. Sure. But my book is, of course, on my website, com slash book. And then it's the ebook version is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. Apple Book, and Google Play. So that's all recent and that's all there. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm going to look it up and, um, and get those links to, to make it easy for people to just click and, and, and view it and, and purchase the book as well. But I thank you again, Zakir, so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you.